Hello to today's podcast for Mark and Mark on pharmaceutical contamination monitoring. Today we will look at the past 25 years and the history and how it changed in environmental monitoring. I am Mark Mahauer with 25 years of experience in aseptic fill finish equipment and I'm together with... Hello and I'm Mark Holworth with over 25 years of delivering solutions for environmental monitoring. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Um, we wanted to start with a quick history recap on the for the people to learn what has changed in the last 25 years, and maybe we'll finish it up with a new NX1 once we are here done with everything. I remember 25 years ago, there was no real monitoring inside aseptic filling machines. Do you remember the same thing? I do. In fact, it was um, most of the monitoring, in fact, most of the filling machines, Mark, if you remember, were all open, either soft wall with a flexible curtain around them. The more advanced ones had hard wall curtains to stop operators accidentally poking their hands in and, and you know, encroaching on the critical spaces. And a lot of the monitoring was just performed in the background with portable instruments. So... Certainly a lot of where we started was operators and, and plenty of them properly gowned. I mean, it wasn't, um, these, these, these weren't kind of, you know, it wasn't the, the 40s and 50s. You know, there was still a lot of technology being employed, but I don't think people fully appreciated the risks associated with the environmental monitoring within the enclosed space. They pretty much focused on people is the biggest source of contamination, so we better monitor where the people are at. It's funny that you see it that way, because when I started uh, at the time, we talked about a machine guarding, which uh, protect like protected the people, the operator from getting hurt and right, not, yeah. and not uh, the product of being safe. Um, and then at the time, we just built basically hard wall machines, not even knowing that they later will uh, turn into a wraps and isolator or something like that. Uh, we just created a hard wall barrier so no one get hurt. Right. Like just machine guards. Yes. And um, so over time, it changed a little. Uh, the end customers, the pharmaceutical companies, they came and they said, oh, now we want to uh, integrate the mobile units there and we want to um, maybe monitor once in a while inside the machine. So you created a little space there where you could put in a, a manual um, last air uh, particle counter, for example, or a microbial collector. Yeah, because the doors didn't always go flush to the floor of the machine. You could sort of like squeeze a tripod through a gap in the bottom mm -hmm. and then have your particle counter stood outside with a couple of feet of tubing or a couple of meters, should I say, of tubing that uh, allowed for the particle counter, which in those days as well were a big old heavy thing. You yes. know, they weren't um, they weren't battery powered. They were still mains powered back in the day. You had to find a, a socket in the wall to plug them into run that flexible cable across the floor to your cart and then run the flexible tubing up and into the space to determine how many particles were in that space at the time. It, um, it's kind of funny looking back on it, but, um, but I suspect a lot of those systems are still out there. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. We still get uh, questions from some of the machine manufacturers to if it's enough to place a mobile unit inside the isolator, for example. Um, then later, the companies came and said, oh, we want to do now online monitoring. So something must have changed in the regulations at some point um, that uh, required them to do online monitoring. And they asked for, like, drill me a hole here and there, and I can place something below. Um, what did change? Why did this come up? Well, there was Annex 1 that changed back in 2003, and that sort of followed with the FDA's guidance on aseptic manufacture from September 2004, where they both said that you get more comprehensive data from monitoring because nobody likes to be measured and nobody likes to be thought of as the source of contamination. So you'd see the environmental operator walk into the room with his particle counter and his microbial sampler and the operators that were in the room would slowly migrate to the edges. They'd get out of the way because they didn't want <laughs> to be measured at that time. So the idea was if you put the particle counter installed into a location, either in the, in the early days, bolted to the outside of the machine with the tube running up pretty much the same way it did with the portable, then you're taking this more comprehensive data, i.e., the operators are going to do what operators do, and you'll be able to determine and detect the natural contamination levels as opposed to this enforced contamination levels where all the operators go and stand out of harm's way. Yeah. So so that, um, that then became, you know, we've got all of these portable particle counters that are all generating data. It wasn't thermal paper at the time. So they reported back to a central software. And that was really the advent of, you know, kind of a lot of the FMS systems that we do today. But the installation was still pretty, you know, pretty rudimentary, uh, even in the early days of, you know, limited access. I don't know if you can remember the environmental monitoring ports. No, I don't. Tell me. Oh, so um a lot of a lot of uh, isolators not not necessarily isolators but a lot of filling machines would have environmental monitoring ports and that'd be just like a tri-clamp port that would allow for a tube to be poked through and that was how we used to take samples so you'd have uh, an environmental monitoring port and it would either have a tube permanently amount uh, permanently affixed as so you could just join the tubes together or um, it would have a hole and you take the you take the stopper off the air come rushing out of the hole and you'd feed the tube through to try and get, a, a, you know, the best representative sample you could with like a, a wand with an isokinetic probe on the end that you were trying to hook into location. So yeah. it was still very manual. You know, everything was manual until we had these automated systems where the 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 sample points were in a set location and yeah, it was where those set locations were that dictated you know what data you saw i think that at the time when they asked us for integrating the particle counters and drilling the holes um we already had fixed um pipes going down into the base of the machine right. and then have the hoses directly connected all the time to the monitoring so i may have uh 
missed that yeah, part. Yeah, it's because um, we probably saw a lot of retrofits, whereas mm-hmm. you were more involved in new no. build. Yeah. So you were already part of the next generation when I was still, <laughs> I was still playing catch up in the background, Mark. Yeah. So nowadays the customers approach the machine manufacturers and they, uh, because they don't have enough engineers anymore and uh, a lot of people worry about the project, they say, put environmental monitoring on there. I don't want to, I don't care about what it is and how it is. Uh, just make sure that it by it is by regulation. And um, it comes a little bit to the point that now the OEM is forced to uh, create this and uh, maybe not having the experience where are the best points to do this and then they are led to um, monitor where it's possible by physical space for example in an existing machine do you see the same thing yes and no so the and again if we're talking about the last 25 years if if we go back maybe just the last 10 the environmental sampling ports were typically you know where can i where can I fit this without interfering with the machine design? Because if you ask a machine designer to design a machine for you, and then afterwards you come back and say, oh, by the way, I want a monitoring port for particles and a monitoring port for microbial. They're going to put it at the last available space, which tend to be in the far corners. So much as the same way you walk into a clean room, the operators move to the outside you look at an isolator or or an enclosed filler and all the sample points are out on the outside they're not actually at the risk points but that my friend is starting to change what we're oh. what we're seeing now is an elevation of interest in what this data is telling you and as you become more and more isolated those risks become amplified because how could contamination got into an enclosed space and so determining where it might have come from you know is it recirculation is it a contamination event is it a random event that's not indicative of contamination of of a problem of a loss of control because of course the systems won't stop contamination but they will demonstrate when you've lost control of the contamination control mechanisms. So that's where you start to look at, you know, changes to the regulations that drive Annex 1, for instance, you know, as it's currently written, continuous monitoring in those areas of high risk. High risk doesn't necessarily mean the far corners. It means where product or containers are exposed to the ambient air. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing those particle counters move into more risk-oriented locations rather than just, we got it in there, well done. That is actually a, a really good uh, topic because uh, when we look at the market now, uh, some of the OEM manufacturers, they now call us in when they design the machine and they say from the beginning, when they do the first layout of the machine, they say, where would you put the particle counter? Where would you put the saddle plates? Where would you put the active monitoring? to make sure we design it right into the machine design from the beginning so we have the best point. And I guess that came from many discussions with end customers where they at the end had to move it because it wasn't in the right location and then you have too long of a hose because now you cannot put the particle counter anymore where you want it. And this um, brings me to a point that you need a team of people um, 
working on this. You cannot only work with, for example, a microbialist because he doesn't know the machine design. You don't. You cannot only work with a quality person because he doesn't know the microbial point of view. So the people have to work together, and that is typically someone experienced from the machine builder, someone experienced from environmental monitoring, someone experienced of operator, someone experienced of uh, looking at this quality um, uh, aspect, and someone. Uh, who thinks about what kind of data is created and where it is used for? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's and that's probably, you know, the summary statement of the last twenty five years is that people now care. It's not one of the, you know, the oddities of environmental monitoring or the oddities of fill finish is that ah we've got to also add environmental monitoring. Environmental monitoring, because of its role in demonstrating that control of contamination, is elevated now to a status where people care. Uh, and to get the right team together, you know, is important, as you said. So it's that evolution where, you know, we're using random ports trying to squeeze you know, portable devices in, grab a sample and take the instrument out so they can get on with business to environmental monitoring being part of that continuum, part of that continuous business of demonstrating control. So it has it has changed and it um, I think it will continue to change as we start to look at what the impact of a loss of contamination control might mean. That's a wonderful final statement for today. Um, Mark, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to next week's podcast about um, contamination control strategy. And uh, we'll see you then. All right. Thank always, you. Always, always happy to talk, Mark. Thank you for everyone for listening. Please contact our local PMS specialist for any other questions you have or email us at info at pmeasuring.com. Also on our website, pmeasuring.com, you can find a lot of technical papers. You see a lot of uh, details we are talking about here. And I'll see you next week. Thank you from Mark and Mark.